Vicki, welcome back to Live from the Heartland. <laughs> well, thanks so much. I'm so happy to be here with you all today. And you are still with uh, La Voz, La Voz de las Abajo. Wow. La Voz de los de Abajo, the de voice of those de. below. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that group and your mission, what you've been doing in the last period of time. <laughs> well, we were founded back in 1999 after Hurricane Mitch in solidarity with the Honduran people, especially the rural communities at that time. However, since Honduras, all these things we've just been talking about, Honduras is sort of the canary in the coal mine for these what I call neoliberal programs. And so what's happened was in 2009, there was a military coup that threw out a progressive-minded president in Honduras, backed by the U.S. The coup was backed by the U.S., and that was President Obama and Miss Hillary Clinton, I'm sorry to say. Yep. Um, so we really had to step up our work, and we started doing a lot of delegations, solidarity delegations. We started doing a lot of lobbying to cut off U.S. funding for the military and police in Honduras, a lot of work with human rights organizations. And we've been continuing to do that since 2009, that as full steam ahead as we could. Did you get any uh, response, positive, or any kind of response from the Obama administration? Uh, no. None. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. No. So, because the Honduras situation really started getting terrible back under Reagan when we were right. mounting the, the Contra right. war out of their their. Yeah, they Field. built a big yeah. military base they down there, a big airstrip, They built the airstrips, yeah. the military yeah. bases, and they basically just ran roughshod over the hundred right. countries. The history is, I mean, is terrible. There's right. And there's actually sort of a, a straight line that hasn't varied much on U.S. policy and actions in Honduras, going back to when we made it the uh, the military base for all the wars in, in Central America where the U.S. was fighting against insurgencies, revolutions, in people. El Salvador, Nicaragua. El Salvador, Nicaragua, Guatemala. Guatemala. So Honduras was the military base, and the U.S. still considers it to be their uh, back patio, as the, the, as the expression goes. Jeez. And it, since the coup... The U.S. now has, I think it's 13 military facilities. They're not all full bases, but it has increased their number of military facilities, different kinds of things they have going on across the country. So the U.S. has claimed, uh, claims a lot, of, a lot of power in Honduras, and we're just seeing the most recent effects of that in this recent election, where we were down there for a new election. So talk to us about the run-up to that election, and who were the players, and, and what, were, what were the uh, points of tension? Right. So after the coup, there, the, when the people were unable to undo the coup, largely due to the role of the U.S. in supporting it, uh, the opposition organized a political party. And this is it's a complicated bunch of negotiations, but they organized a political party and they ran candidates against the coup government in 2013. They lost. There was widespread fraud. Um, they probably, their victory margin was somewhat narrow, but it was declared that Juan Orlando Hernandez uh, was the president. He's the national party. That's the far right wing coup government. Juan Orlando Hernandez in 2013 to the present started building what can only be described as kind of a modern looking dictatorship. 
he was able to get complete control of all the branches of government. There was an opposition oh. in, yeah. Well, this, <laughs> duh. <laughs> duh, right? It's, so that's why I say it's like the canary in the coal mine or it's the laboratory for, for this whole, I don't even know if it's neoliberalism anymore, but whatever the heck it is, a, a destruction of all forms of liberal and democratic representative uh, democracy that's going on not only in Honduras, but Honduras is the advanced model. That's where it's being tried out. So he got control of everything. The Electoral Council, the Supreme Court, he fired judges who said it would be illegal for him to run for president again. That's right. He wasn't supposed to take right. this another term, but he uh, right. they changed it. Yeah, well, he fired the judges who said, yeah, the Constitution does say that, which the Constitution just says it. You cannot run for re-election. And he ran for re-election. Yeah. All right, so who is the opposition candidate of the coalition of left-wing parties, etc.? So what happened then was the left-wing opposition very strategically formed an alliance with an anti-corruption movement and party led by a sports announcer, Salvador Nasralla. Was, his family's of Lebanese descent, I believe, which is common in Central America. So they formed this alliance. Nasrallah really was kind of center-right, but he was truly against corruption and against this destruction of democratic institutions that was ongoing since the coup. He was opposed to the coup, etc. So they formed this kind of amazing electoral alliance and started working with the strategy, their strategy, as it was explained to me by their people, was we have to have 60, 70 percent margin of victory so that they can't steal it. Yeah. They won't be able to commit fraud on that level. So, so this is our strategy. And they did it. They did it. But, but there's were, a big They were but. way ahead at oh, one point. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was and after being there, I truly believe they probably did have 60 or 70 percent because everywhere you went, even in the middle class, not only what you would expect is the base of a left-wing opposition, the campesinos, the workers, you know, the youth, <laughs> poor people. It was everywhere. People hate Juan Orlando Hernandez. So there was an election. We were observing. I was with a group. We did observation. We saw all sorts of, like, uh, petty, in a way, petty fraud. People actually pulling money out of their pockets from the National Party people and paying people for their vote, people handing out bags of rice to people, that kind of stuff. But nonetheless, they, they had this election, and when the elect, what they call the uh, electoral tribunal, supreme electoral tribunal, supreme. supreme, started counting, all of a sudden everything just froze. Usually it takes maybe a day maybe till the next day to get full results. The last election in 2013, the U.S. ambassador announced the winner before it was even counted. That's how fast elections usually go in, in uh, Honduras. This time, all of a sudden, it's just slowed way down. And then there started to be messages, like on WhatsApp and, and things coming that from one of the tribunal uh, officials, the, the alternate judge is what the position is called, started sending out messages to his family and friends saying, you got to share this. They won't let us announce the winner. They, and it's, it's Salvador Nasralla, and they won't let us announce it. So people started, this just started circulating, and then 
the same judge finally went public the next day. So now we're talking into like day, we're talking about November. The election was November 26th. So then we're talking about November 28th, 29th. Finally, this guy, Marco Ramirez, I believe is his name, comes out. He breaks discipline and he comes out and he says, this is the, this is the, the probabilities, the statistical tendency. It was a man who actually understands math and science. And Nasrallah has a solid 5% lead with 60% of things. This is not going to change. Nasrallah has won the election. But that was not an official announcement. That was this guy being very, very brave. Um, this, is a, an, uh, this is a, you know, functionary of the government, but he came out with it. People started celebrating, but there was no official announcement. Day after day after day. So people started gathering at the, the center where they store all the ballots, and they had this big supposed ballot counting thing going on. Uh, people started gathering outside in protest, saying they wanted an, an official announcement and celebrating. And that's when there was a crackdown from the government. A, a really vicious physical repression started. We didn't see that on the news here. Yeah, but, I bet. But wasn't there some uh, police pushing back against what the government wanted them to do? That came a little later. So, okay. so what happened was there's still no official announcement. Things start leaking out that there was a mysterious computer crash. You know, that's why we couldn't count the, the rest of the ballots, that, no, we expect the rural vote to be for Juan Orlando, and this, all these kinds of things started stirring around, and more and more people were protesting, and the repression got more and more uh, vicious. We were there. I was there with the human rights delegation outside of this, this it's called the... INFOP, anyway, this ballot counting center, which was controlled by the military and national police, when the, they attacked, massively attacked a very nonviolent protest uh, with tear gas, with troops, using tear gas not only to disperse people but as a weapon, aiming the tear gas canisters at people, all these kind of things. And this went on for days. The thing with the police is interesting, but hasn't turned out to be what people hoped. After five days of this, and when they instituted, the government issued a state of emergency or a state of exception, suspending constitutional rights and implementing a <coughs> curfew. When people still were protesting, even after curfew, but in their neighborhoods, like in front of their houses. So they would run out and then run back into their houses, that kind of thing. And that's when the military police started using live ammunition and started killing people. That's when, and that started, that would have been about uh, December 1st and 2nd, is when we had the first deaths, where the military police just came to neighborhoods and opened fire on people. And there were 13 people killed in just a couple of days all across the country. That's when the police, uh, those part of the mid-level leadership of the police started to speak out against the repression and declared a, a one-day work stoppage in, now, in protest. Th didn't the Organization of American States call for a new election? Yeah. And uh, what, is, what is the current status of the situation? Yeah. The situation now, so all of this has been going on. We now have seen uh, more than 30 people have been killed. Jeez Louise. In just, uh, what is it, like 20 days? 
I can't even keep track of it, something like that. Yeah. More people than were killed in the coup d'etat. The Organization of American States, the head issued a statement saying that these elections could not be certified, that they could not, that the OAS could not certify who was the winner. And this, this is after Juan Orlando claimed victory. The OAS came out with a statement saying, this is, this is not certifiable. There should be a new election. Um, also, the United Nations, the European Union, all expressed reservations and condemned the human rights crisis. Uh, but the OAS actually called for new elections. In response to that, the U.S. government yesterday issued a statement congratulating Juan Orlando Hernandez on his victory and <laughs> telling people that they should be nonviolent. They should be not yeah, violent. Yeah, they should, and there should be, we don't know how there should, be. Yeah, there should be a robust dialogue to resolve disagreements. Oh, robust dialogue. So yeah. Yeah, like it, ridiculous. They before it, they pass the Enraging, test to, yeah. What is our strategic interest there? Why should Chicagoans care about Honduras? Yeah. I think there, there's a number of things. For one thing is the, the f even though it's little known, the strategic role of Central America uh, in our relations with Latin America and the way the U.S. government uses Central America as its military and political base to affect what happens all over Latin America, to launch all of its political and military moves. So that's one thing. The other thing is, I think what I mentioned before, that, that what happens in Honduras is a laboratory. It's, a, it's the extreme edge of this push to destroy... Uh, democracy, popular democracy, where people actually can go to an election with some anticipation of being able to vote and have their vote uh, valued. It's, it is the cutting edge as well of things like privatizing entire cities, what they call charter cities or model cities. Oh. The destruction of public education is, uh, is well underway. The destruction of public health. One of the big things that started the anti-corruption movement was a complete plundering of the national health system by officials and by Juan Orlando's government. His party got money from the national health system in the form of checks for his election in 2013. Me there's no medicine. The doctors were on strike while we were there because they hadn't been paid, so they were doing rotating strikes as a protest. They were also in the streets being tear-gassed with everybody else. Um, so in that way, what happens in Honduras is the, our future if we don't act to stop it there and here. What can we do to uh, interrupt this? Right now, um, I work, La Voz de los de Abajo also works with a whole network of solidarity organizations called Honduras Solidarity Network. Mm -hmm. And so we've been working a long time to get the military and police aid cut off uh, to Honduras. And of course, we were working to, to hold back U.S. recognition of Juan Orlando, understanding that, of course, the U.S. would recognize him. Right now, we're really focusing in the immediate days on pushing so that this, the Senate Appropriations Committee uh, doesn't release security funding to Honduras. And we're pushing on that because uh, Le the, the Leahy uh, Act, 
led by Senator Leahy, with, that conditions some of that aid has to be conditioned on certification in human rights progress. Well, on November 30th, in the middle of all of this, the U.S. issued a, uh, a report certifying Honduras for its great progress. And Senator Leahy and others have spoken out against that, and they have the power in the Senate Appropriations Committee not to release the funding without they can just not release it. So that's one very immediate uh, and winnable. It's possible to win this one, the thing that we're focusing on. So we're asking people to talk to Senator Durbin, who has not taken a strong position on this at all. So that's one of the areas we're okay, pushing we, on. That's, that's pretty Call clear. Durbin. Call, Call Durbin. Call Durbin. Tell him, yeah, no more. And we're going to continue to push uh uh, to try and isolate Juan Orlando and to collaborate and and look for what support we can give people, especially against the violence. It's a war zone in Honduras right now. The people are continuing to block highways, their neighborhood streets. It's a very dispersed, decentralized protest movement because it's a, a very rural country. Mm. And people are being shot by the military. People are being arrested. There are thousands of people who have been arrested. And under the new penal code that was passed last year, a lot of those arrests can now be pro prosecuted as felonies, even sedition and terrorism, just for like burning a tire in the middle of the street. Damn. Damn. Uh, well, I'm sorry, Vicki. It's, uh, <laughs> this is hard news to hear, but I'm really, uh, appreciative of your years and years of commitment to uh, bringing the story back here from Central yeah. America. Um, thanks so much and and more power to you. Um, and hopefully our listeners will uh, take a, a moment, call Durbin's office and say, we know there's a lot going on in D.C., but we're still a country that's supposed to be holding up a lamp to the rest of the world. And uh, we're not doing that in Central yeah. America. So um, thanks a lot and we'll We'll keep bringing you back. Thank you. And and I don't want people, it is hard news to hear. It is. But if you listen to the Hondurans, I don't know how to convey the spirit down there, despite their burying 13-year-olds. But the, the spirit is amazing. Right now, their, their plan is they're doing giant tamale Christmas celebrations in each neighborhood out in the street, blocking the street to eat their tamales and do their traditional Christmas. So don't be depressed. Be active. Right on, sister. Excellent. Thank you, Vicky. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot. Vicky Cervantes of Honduran Solidarity and La Voz de, de los... los de Abajo.